You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, folks? Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, folks. This is a very, 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 very loaded episode. As always, I am Nick Faraby, right for Pittsburgh Sports Now, call games at WPTS Radio Station, and I am production assistant at ACC Network, and I mean this is a loaded episode. Justin Fuente, gone from Virginia Tech. Miami fires their athletic director, what that could mean for Manny Diaz, why that's important for Pitt and what it could mean for Pitt heading here into the future. Also, Keyshawn Camp's going to be back. What does that mean for Pitt's defense? I didn't even talk about him in the defensive line discussion yesterday. What does it mean for Pitt's defense with Keyshawn Camp sounding like he will be back? And then also we will discuss Jeff Capel and the men's basketball team. That squad continuing to look pretty bad against UNC Wilmington. But they do pick up their first win of the year. Positives and negatives from that game. All coming up on Locked on Pitt. folks welcome back to the locked on pit podcast thank you as always for making the locked on pit podcast your first listen every day folks we got a good episode coming up but of course i want to start off today with a little bit of talk around the acc and kind of what the season can mean to pit because i think you have to put pit season the eight and two season and what opportunity comes with this into perspective because pit obviously really playing at a high level right now and, and listen, when you look at what Pitt does right now, 8-2, and two, leading the Coastal. Let's take a look at the rest of the Coastal teams. Miami. Okay, they have talent. They have Jalen Knight and Tyler Van Dyke. They have tons of talent on that team. But Manny Diaz is not a good coach. And they're going to have to reset that position. So how much do they lose of that talent, right? How much of that fruit do they lose? And, they, and you know, Manny Diaz is probably gone. And, and there's a certain expectation to me. It's not the fact that he's going to, you know, go to a bowl and maybe win one. I mean, he's not good. He's clearly a bad coach. Straight up. It's not like Miami has ridiculous standards. So Duke, David Cutcliffe might be retiring. Virginia. I think Bronco Mendenhall's a solid coach. But don't no, no, no disrespect, but is he a great coach? Probably not. It's, it's okay. Mac Brown, great recruiter. I've never really liked his coaching ability. I think he's always faltered in bigger games. And more importantly, I think Phil Longo is offensive coordinator. is not a great offensive coordinator. I, I just think that you saw a lot of what we saw on Thursday, and a lot of it was very vanilla, not really putting your scheme behind your talent. You know, putting the talent first and then using the scheme to help essentially use, essentially not neutralize the talent is essentially what he did. You instead need to nurture the talent, and I don't feel like Longo does that. You know, there's a lot of coastal teams. Georgia Tech, for example. That's a team that should be better than they are. Jameer Gibbs, Jeff Sims, there's talent. There's four stars all up and down that roster. Is Jeff Collins it? I'm not sure. I really am not sure on that. And Virginia Tech just fired Justin Fuente. So, 
Pitt is here in the Coastal right now, and you look at what they have, they have it real good, don't they? Pitt has it real good. Aiton Sue, a stable coach who's been here for seven years, and if he wins out like he should, guess what? He's going to be here a lot longer. And that's the thing. Pitt has an opportunity here to put themselves up another rung in the Coastal. A Coastal is a void. We know this. The Coastal is a void that is open to everybody who wants it. And the difference between the Coastal and the Atlantic is that the Atlantic has Clemson. The Atlantic has a juggernaut that we assume is still a juggernaut that's going to bounce back next year, and you won't have a chance to win it. And they have a lot of talent over there, too. Honestly, the Atlantic is in much better shape. I mean, Dave Clawson looks great at Wake. NC State's a real solid program. Malik Cunningham is a heck of a talent. Even the lower-tiered schools over there, you know, other than maybe Syracuse. I mean, they have Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader, but they're not a good team. Florida State has started to come around a little bit. There's a lot of talent over there in the Atlantic. The Coastal, there's talent, but there's inconsistencies. And where inconsistencies come through, you have opportunity. And Pitt has that this year. Because, yes, 10-2, a Coastal Championship, a potential ACC Championship, and a potential NY6 Bowl, a potential really impressive season, the breakout season we've been talking about under Pat Narduzzi, coming to fruition is huge. But here's also the news. With Virginia Tech faltering down and firing just 20, with Miami not being at full strength, with Duke completely in shambles, with UNC kind of treading, just kind of moving the tires in mud right now. You know, UNC feels like they should be better than they are. Virginia, good, not great. Georgia Tech, another team that should be better than they are. The entire division outside of Pitt right now feels like a conundrum of chaos and, and that's why coastal chaos is such a thing none of these teams have been able to put one another over each other and it's it's consistently just fighting and jostling makes it for a fun division but no one has, has stepped up to take that crown Pitt has the opportunity here to do it they have the stability of narduzzi if they get that acc championship if they really get that acc championship not only does Pitt have the crown of stability they have the crown of legitimacy. They are the first ACC team to win a ACC title other than Clemson and Florida State and Miami in a while. And, you know, it's a thing when you look at that where Pitt can jostle this season. It's not just a Kenny Pickett breakout year and it's a one-and-done deal. Pitt can change this program so not being a consistent 10 and 2, 11 and 1, I'm not talking like that. But let's talk about 8 and 4 consistently. Let's talk about more than, you know, every two, three years, Pitt is reloading and getting back to the ACC title game. They are a con more consistently ranked program. They are a team that is always to be thought of as the crown of the coastal, the crown jewel of the ACC coastal. This is what's at stake for Pitt over these final few games. Fuente is gone. It doesn't look like Virginia Tech's what they once were. Miami is not what they once were. Georgia Tech is not what they once were. Virginia could eventually become that. They haven't yet. And Duke is nowhere near that. UNC hasn't become what they thought they would be. Everything is not there. But Pitt has the opportunity. They have a great staff in place. You know, with Charlie Partridge. With guys like that. 
with guys like Brennan Marion, right? Very talented staff that has developed NFL players and will continue to develop NFL players. They have pitches to sell. Add an ACC championship to that fuel, an NY6 trip, maybe an NY6 victory. You have so much recruiting fuel. 2023 recruiting class is going to be great if they can do that. And this is Pitt's opportunity. Where, where instability comes elsewhere in the ACC Coastal comes opportunity for Pitt. That's also not mentioning maybe they can pluck a few of these recruits in the 2022 class of Virginia Tech. If Miami fires Diaz, maybe there. They have a very good South Florida pipeline. So there is so much that comes up of these firings, I think, for Pitt. But the opportunity with the instability elsewhere in the ACC Coastal or the mediocrity elsewhere, Pitt rising above it and potentially getting that breakout year. This could be the year that Pitt parlays their success into another ring and kind of stepping up the program, right? And that's the big thing. That's the big opportunity. And that's why these firings, when you look around and, and this instability and this mediocrity, is so big because Pitt, is not, Pitt needs to be above that to a degree, you know? They're not going to be completely above that every year. And, and Pitt's not, we're not talking about going back to the 1970s, the Marino days. We're not talking about going back to Tony Dorsett. We're not talking about that. But we are talking about potentially going in here and having Pitt be a really solid team most years, maybe a down year here and there, maybe a transition year, but they're going to be back and reloaded every now and then because they know they have pipelines elsewhere and they produce NFL talent and people want to come to the University of Pittsburgh to play football because this is a proud football program. That's the ability that they have and Narduzzi has to instill after this year, and that's what they have to take advantage of. All right, folks, let's talk about Jeff Capel and the Pitt men's basketball team. However, first, I want to let you guys know about Prize Picks because Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid major players you may have never even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yards to touchdowns to even interceptions thrown. So you will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That's right, a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 if you just use our promo code locked on. Again, that's our promo code locked on you pick two to five players and over under other projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus those projected numbers and price picks also allows mixed sports entry so feel free to bet on basketball football on the same day whatever you want to do folks don't hesitate check out pricepicks.com and use our promo code locked on or go to your app store and download the app today price picks is daily fantasy made easy Folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. Let's talk a little bit about this Pitt men's basketball team. A team that doesn't feel like it has direction. A team that really does feel like a Jeff Capel swan song. And really just starting to gear up and you look and it's it's not pretty. Pitt beats UNC Wilmington 59-51. to But here's the thing. This team, this UNC Wilmington team, was picked last in the Colonial. They were picked to finish last in the Colonial. They were a sub-250 Pomeroy team, Ken Palm team. That is abysmal. They are an abysmal team. And Pitt had a 15-point lead up on them early. And then they let him come back into the game. 
That's what is extremely, extremely concerning to everybody. And it should be. I mean, just let's just take a look at kind of everything here and, and what the issue was for Pitt. So, first half is good. I mean, the first half was really good. Pitt got re really good production out of their low post players. You know, Hughley played at a high level, a double-double for him. I think it's becoming clearer and clearer the more I watch John Hughley that this guy is an ACC Power 5 level player. And it really does bring me joy to say that because after what he went through last year, you kind of do wonder, actually looking back at last year, if Hughley's there, what Pitt ends up doing. But regardless of the fact, Hughley playing at a really high level, he's got strong hands. He's very strong in the basket. He's got magnets for hands with the rebounding. Very, very, very capable defender down low. Hughley's also a pretty solid free throw shooter. He can stretch the floor, although you would like him to not take too many threes. Granted, he took two today. Didn't make either one of those. However, he was five of six from the five of five rather from the foul line. Eleven rebounds, three assists. The the backdoor pass to Nate Santos was beautiful. He put up a punt. Pump fake Hesse that was reminiscent uh, of older days of Pitt men's basketball. Um, when you watch that, he really looks like a solid player. So, you know, if Capel is gone after this year, which again, I suspect he will be, you hope, you hope, you hope they get Hughley back. But that's going to be a tough one in today's transfer portal environment. But this guy's looking like a real player. I think Hughley's going to be a really, really good player. Probably the best player on the team. Now, here's where the issues start to come up. You know, they get Jamarius Burton back. I thought Burton looked confident. He has leadership. He's another ball handler. He was running off-ball screens. He was taking shots. I don't think he's going to be a great shooter ever. But, you know, I think he can be a mid-range guy. I think he can give you solid, uh, uh, solid reps, solid minutes at the point. I think if they can do some different things with their lineups, and I think they have to do some different things now that he's back, with their guards and their and their backcourt specifically. What do you talk about that? I think Onyeze Akuda is just, unfortunately, you know, he's a serviceable walk-on. Man, I just don't think he's very good. He can't handle pressure very well. He's a non-scoring threat for as small as he is. You know, he doesn't really drive well. This is a guy that can give you serviceable minutes every now and then, but you don't want him taking up as much time on the court as he has been even with Burton back. I mean, today, Isaiah Kudo did play 13 minutes. I mean, that even seems a little bit too much for him. But here's the thing. When I look at this front court and what, you know, they can do with in tandem with the backcourt, with Oladapo being so scrappy, you know, with Hughley being this, this force, Gee at least being a pretty solid player to offensively as well, who can give you shot-blocking potential, really strong defensive interior uh, defense with the Shot blocking ability, we saw that today. You know, he's a really solid defensive player. He's got good hands, good feet. Um, he's a guy that, for his size, handles the ball really well as well. This front court is a, isn't bad. Like, it's not awful at all. You know, but the, the back court's the issue. There is no perimeter threat. So, what did UNC Wilmington do in the second half? They just packed the, the paint, put on a full court press a la West Virginia, and 4-17 turnovers from Pitt today. And it was unacceptable to see Pitt turn the ball over 17 times. I mean, really, eight times in the second half. I mean, it was just unbelievable. They boxed in Femi Odukali multiple times. He wasn't able to break under that pressure. 
and and they're lucky because only three points in that first half came off those nine turnovers they had. In the second half, nine points came off of eight turnovers. So it wasn't a crazy performance offensively by UNC Wilmington either. And Pitt out-rebounded them, yes. Pitt did out-rebound them. And Pitt out-rebounded them 47-33. to But Pitt also shot 55% from the foul line. Pitt only attempted four threes. Four threes. I'm sorry, you're not going to live in a Power 5 basketball environment shooting five threes. Not even. Four. I mean, shooting four threes is just not good. And only two of those coming from your guards. Man, you got to drop something for Nate Santos, right? I mean, this is where they miss Ithiel Horton and, and like Sabande. I get it. But Femi Odukali has to take more than one three. He can make them. He just doesn't take them. Nate Santos didn't take an entire three-point shot, and he is easily the best three-point shooter on the team. Will Jeffress, even with his shot, didn't take one. Burton took one, but what what are you going to do? I mean, why? Why was there no attempt to get any three-point shooting? I get it. You aren't a good three-point shooting team. You at least have to keep them honest. You have to keep them honest to some degree. This team needs to shoot threes more often. It's quite simple. I don't care if you're bad at shooting threes. You have to put up more than four threes in a game. Otherwise, the defenses are just going to pack inside, and that's what they did. And they forced turnovers. They trapped them outside in the wings. It was really tough for Pitt to get anything going. Will Jeffress felt like his head was spinning a little bit too fast. When he has the ball in his hands, he doesn't always feel like he knows what to do with it. You know, high-level defender, yes, and, and really scrappy rebounder. But, man, sometimes his offensive game, you just feel so, so limited. And, and man, it's tough to watch Will Jefferson times out there on the court. I think, though, more importantly, this team just doesn't look like a cohesive unit yet. They don't really know what they're doing. It's like they're just coming up and running essentially backyard ball. And, and there's no rhyme or reason to most of what they do. Like, nothing that they do actually feels meaningful like they don't have any screen set up to get it to the post no one drives and kicks it out there's nothing like that like there is nothing like that and I think that's what you're gonna feel is the story until maybe they get Ithiel Horton back who needed to be that three-point shooter right and they lose him they don't have a presence but they don't even draw or try threes they just try to drive and, and when teams just pack the paint and they and they press them up and and do all that it's an issue, and, and Pitt's defense, while solid, is just solid. It's not going to force a ton of turnovers or force a ton of pressure, and that's, I think, the cusp of the issue here with Pitt overall. Their offense is so limited. It's just what can you do with this team, and the answer is you really can't do a whole lot. All right, folks, let's talk about Keyshawn Camp and what his return can mean, but first, folks, I want to let you know about NetSuite. This is it. The putts will win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your head falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, I'm telling you, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Folks, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control, your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow. All in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes 
and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Folks, over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash NCA Again, head to NetSuite.com slash NCA for special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash NCAA. Folks, have you heard of Built Bar? It's the best tasting protein bar while also having all the health benefits of your usual protein bar. Trust me, Built Bar, it's not something that's wet. It's not chewy. It's not hard to choke down. It's soft. It's covered in chocolate. It's tasty. They have so many different flavors from coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. Built Bars have all of those tasty flavors. And guess what? This month, they're coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. Check their website often. I know you don't want to miss out on that. But they also have all the health benefits. They are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits all on top of those delicious flavors. Go to built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and that's go to built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off on your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. folks welcome back to the locked on pit podcast here for this final third segment folks let's talk about Keyshawn camp charlie portridge revealing today that Keyshawn camp will be returning against virginia and we talked about it what the impact that this defensive line could potentially have on this entire team and more importantly what they could have on brennan armstrong is overall Keyshawn Camp, I didn't even mention his name there. I didn't. I, I expected Keyshawn Camp to be on an extended period of time after I saw him on crutches after the Duke game, but it seems this guy is going to be back here for the run and ready to go. I can't understate the importance of having Keyshawn Camp there next to Kalaj. You can't see. Those are your two best interior pass rushers, period, period. Keyshawn Camp's explosive. He's got great center of gravity, great balance. A guy that really disrupts things when he's in there. Keyshawn Camp is a dude that you really want up there. And all you have to do is look back before he got injured against Virginia in 2019, what he was doing to this team. And with the Virginia O-line that allows so many sacks and allows their quarterback to get hit hard because of the long drop back game they do. This is what Keyshawn Camp can bring. An absolutely potent pass rush presence along with Kalaja Kansi on the interior. It's going to be hard for them to do that, but you also keep guys like Devin Danielson, David Green, Tyler Bentley. Those guys, you keep them fresh. You keep the ability to rotate in with a guy like Keyshawn Camp here. But I think the bigger thing is that, that I've noticed is while... Devin Danielson and Tyler Bentley are so good against the run. And I felt like that was a big part of the ability of Pitt to really slow down Ty Chandler was those two just plugging up the middle and chugging there. I also think you see Keyshawn Camp do a lot of the same things. He's a strong run defender. He can take on double teams. 
he can really work with a hot motor and come on backside pursuit. He's a guy that can do that stuff at a high level. He's not a nuisance in the run game, for example. I think Keyshawn Camp is such an interesting player because people think of the injuries that he has, and I can essentially tell you, I just feel like that is the main reason why Keyshawn Camp isn't thought of as good as he is. He's so good. Keyshawn Camp has multiple moves, a club rip, a great bull rush, a strong spin move even in his arsenal. Keyshawn Camp has so many good traits to his game that people just take for granted. And he's going to be back, and it's going to be big for Pitt. And I think Camp, with the rotation, will also draw attention away from the outside. So you're not going to be able to completely just focus on John Morgan, for example, or whoever's coming off that edge, Dayon Hayes, Hababal, whoever is over there with Keyshawn Camp, this is going to be big. Camp's pass rush ability will absolutely help in this game. And more importantly, his ability to work in this environment, especially against someone like Wake Forest, for example, the fact that he'll be there for a potential Wake Forest game could be huge because of their dropback game and their long meshes with the RPOs and all that stuff. He's big for this game with their dropback game. Now, maybe Danielson and Bentley are more used green even in in those trenches against a team like Syracuse, who runs a ton and that is their offense. It makes sense. But the pass rush ability this week is the biggest thing. It's the biggest thing that Pitt needs. And if Brennan Armstrong is playing, obviously they're going to want to hit him because Armstrong is probably not going to be 100% healthy. And if he's not 100% healthy... Camp and Kalaja Kansi are going to be trouble for him because I know he's not going to want to run a ton. Regardless of where he is in the stage of recovery, I don't think he's at 100%. And that's the point here, is that it's going to be tough for Armstrong to play at a high level. Now that Camp's in the fold, this dude is really going to be hurting. And in either way, even if he is 100% healthy and Bronco Mendenhall's pulling a fantastic smokescreen on us all, he's going to be hurting. Sam Howell is hurting. He's questionable to play against Wofford. He really got beat up by Pitt. And Pitt just sends the blitz. And, and people just absolutely just hits like a Matt truck. And, and Keyshawn Camp is going to be one of those guys. So with Camp overall, I think he's able to just bolster a pass rush that they really, really needed bolstered. There are going to be different times when Danielson and Bentley will be needed, but Camp can't see out there as the starters. It makes so much of a difference compared to when it's just Danielson and Bentley because of Camp's pass rush savvy ability. All right, folks. Tomorrow we will talk about Jordan Addison and his Bolitnikov hopes. How likely is it for him to come home with the Bolitnikov trophy? Is it as likely as it seems? It might be. We'll talk about that. But before we get out of here, I want to let you guys know about Locked On Bets. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling Free and available on all platforms. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. And as always, hail to pit.